all good. Um, next week, we've got a treat for you because Pastor Beck will be speaking next week. Um, and I'm really excited about that. It means that I get to sit and enjoy um, a morning. And, and, you know, our design, our church, one of our values is that we uh, are a church where ceilings are meant to be broken, right? And this whole idea is that we're meant to be growing. We're meant to be doing things that are maybe different or we're getting to new levels of uh, being, uh, whether it's our giftings, whether it's what God has called us to, etc. And, uh, and, and so I love that we're going to have different voices up on this stage is something that we do want to train up. Uh, we had a bit of a season uh, where, yeah, we had to kind of consolidate a little bit, but we're moving into a season where I really hope that people with your giftings, you're going to be able to use them, including uh, those who are teaching and preaching. And I know that Pastor Beck is a great preacher, and so what she brings next week is going to bless us. Um, and, and, and to be honest, Church, we're in a place where some of our teams are needing a bit of an injection of manpower. And so if you are loving being in this house and loving receiving uh, what has been, consider whether this is your home and therefore a place where you want to be sowing and serving as well. Our host teams, hospitality teams, kids teams, uh, band, we've got all these different teams where you could be a part of in serving and sowing into other people as well. Because isn't it great that, you know, this is not a Macca's where you drive in, you eat and you go. This is a church where we are family and we come together and we have rights and responsibilities and being able to serve one another is one of them. Well, um, how many of you remember Pastor John Finkelty came at the start of this year? And Pastor John, he is a uh, church consultant. Um, he had 30 years of being a senior pastor and then he's moved into church consultancy and uh, someone sponsored um, half of his consultation fee and, um, and so he said, do you guys want to basically pay half price and I'll come and do the whole uh, consultation? And we're like, yes, please. And he came and he gave so much uh, um, clarity as to who we are as a church. In fact, this whole idea of really uh, leaning into being a family was something that he said, hey, you guys already got this in your DNA. Why don't you make this a real strength of yours? And, and so that, those, that was one of the recommendations that he made. He made some behind the scenes kind of shifts that helped us out with governance and all of that. And um, as he was going through the consult and, and, and giving us some recommendations, he, he looked at me and he said, Nate, how often do you preach on evangelism? And I was like, uh-huh. Beck does that. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I thought so. Because apparently we've got similar giftings in like teaching. And he, knew, he knows that, you know, uh, a lot of teachers don't seem to have the same evangelistic fervor as other people do because we just love the Word of God. We love being hermits. Um, I love being a hermit. And, and so, so evangelism isn't really a thing for me. And he said that was the same with him. And then one time, like, he, felt, he felt like God impressed on him. He was like, why don't you start preaching on evangelism? Because when you preach about it, then you're going to have to have experiences to share. <laughs> you're going to have to have stories that you can tell about what you've been doing because you can't just teach something without living it out, which I was like, oh, man. So here am I, John, if you're listening to this, probably not, um, I'm doing what you told me to do. And, um, but, you know, I'm talking about a topic that I'll readily admit. This is not a strength of mine. 
This is not something where I can tell you story after story of all the amazing things that I've achieved, but maybe that's a good thing, right? Because when we talk about evangelism, sometimes when I hear what other people are saying about the amazing things that God is doing through them, I just feel really inadequate. Anyone with, with me? I remember that I went to a church. I was interning. I was um, 18. Uh, I was doing a Bible college course, and I interned at the church. And there was this guy, right? Every staff meeting... He would be sharing about someone else that he'd shared the gospel with and that they had said the sinner's prayer and they were like, oh, you know, this is so amazing. I finally come to meet Jesus every week. Like one week we went in and he was like, and he was late and he came and said, I'm so sorry, I was talking to the gardener. And I shared the gospel with him and we were out the front and we were praying and he was crying and, and, and I just had, I, I couldn't leave. I was like, man, here we go again. I was like... What am I supposed to do with that? You know, it's like, are you trying to encourage me or deflate me? It's like, how do you have conversations with everyone? And, and anyway, and by the way, he was the accountant. He wasn't the, 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 the pastor of evangelism. He was the accountant. He kept the books and um, was an amazing evangelist, um, really stirred up by people like that, but at the same time, somewhat intimidated by that. And um, as I was thinking about this, you know, I, I, I found that in the Bible, in Paul's uh, letters, he writes two things um, that specifically he asked Christians to do. There are many giftings uh, that Paul writes about, you know, there's prophecy, there is teaching, there's all of these different things. But then to the general Christian, he says there are two things that you're supposed to do, and that is practice hospitality, that's Romans 12 verse 13, and to do the work of the evangelist, which is 2 Timothy 4 verse 5. Hospitality and evangelism. Those are two things that we are told as Christians that we are supposed to be doing. Not that we're supposed to be gifted in, but that we're supposed to be doing. And I thought about it, and I didn't like it, because those are two things that are really not natural to me. Really, like I had to learn evangelism, uh, sorry, learn hospitality. I remember my previous church, my uh, senior pastor was really big on hospitality and really doing hospitality well. And, and I just happened to be the guy that, that volunteered at the office enough. Um, and so whenever it came to meeting time, he was like, all right, Nate, we need to prepare. And then we would go to like Coles and, and I would be like, um, what about some like assorted creams? And he's like, come on, Nate. I was like, yeah, but, you know, people are coming here after work, you know, after dinner. They don't really need much. It's like, it's not about whether they're full or not. <laughs> it's whether hospitality, I was like, oh, man, you know, here we go. And so I'll just follow him around like, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and Beck's another one who loves hospitality. And, and whenever she sees my hospitality, she is somewhat appalled because I will choose food that I eat, which apparently isn't good enough for everyone else. Um, uh, you know, wouldn't hospitality be great if it's just KFC? Yeah. <laughs> see, see what I mean? <laughs> and uh, in our hospitality, evangelism, I'm like, why does Paul say that every Christian has a responsibility to practice hospitality and to do the work of the evangelist? Why not just leave these things to the gifted ones? Why not just leave it to those who have been called in those areas? And... I was thinking about it and I think it's because hospitality and evangelism are things that really showcase God's heart. 
They just are. Hospitality is about placing dignity on another person. Even though I'm not naturally wired to uh, really be hospitable in a naturally gifted way, I understand that if I want someone to feel welcomed and dignified in my presence, hospitality is what I do. Hospitality is not just about the food. It's about, you know, is the place clean? Am I at the door uh, welcoming my guests when they come in? Those little things are things that I can learn because I want to place dignity on every person that comes to my house, right? And and that should be a normal thing for us. It's like everyday manners. (laughs) We don't need to be gifted in manners, We just need to learn manners, and therefore we practice hospitality. And I think evangelism is every Christian's responsibility because if we love someone, we want them to receive the best gift that we have ever received, right? And why would I withhold a gift that I know is more than enough for every single human being in the world? Why would I withhold it? If I know that the eternity depends on this gift, why would I withhold it? It shows our heart that we love people by giving them the gift of eternal life, by giving them the gospel. That's what evangelism is, by the way, if you're thinking about what is this big word. It basically means uh, sharing the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Evangelism, broken down, is about uh, the good news. That's what it literally means, is bringing the good news, sharing the good news. Good news of who? Of Jesus, of how he died on the cross for our sin. And so, while I, in my mind, can understand that hospitality and evangelism are things that I need to do, I don't know, I was thinking about it this week, it's like, why do I struggle so much with evangelism? Hospitality, I've kind of learned, and I think I'm okay at it, but evangelism is just like, why do I, even just talking about evangelism, I feel like there's something in me that goes like, ugh. I'm like, oh, It's like telling me to do the chore that I don't like. But God says it, so I'm like, man, why don't I... Why do I struggle that much with this? And I realized that, um, that I had a memory attached to this sense of evangelism being really difficult and not for me. And this goes back all the way to when I was like an early teenager, maybe 12 years old, maybe younger. And we went to this church um, where what was called cell groups or small groups was really um, what the church was all about. And so even the youth had small groups. And, and so uh, I had a youth um, cell group, as we called it. And uh, it came to Easter time, and the church had this um, uh, idea or, or this uh, program that it, it wanted to do where we were doing Easter uh, cell group parties where all the youth uh, cell groups would um, put on a little bit of a party. We would have games, we would have food, and we would have um, the gospel message preached. Except that the gospel message wasn't going to be done from someone on a pulpit because it was done in homes, but it was going to be done by every single person that invited a friend to go. And so they trained us up in this um, gospel message. And I'm going to show you exactly how we were trained because I still remember it to this day. So we were to sit with our friends and we were to draw out, this is God. And initially, when God created the universe, he wanted to have us with him. However, because mankind sinned or sin entered the world, um, man are now separated from God. We are no longer with God. We are separated from God. 
All right, and this is a pretty standard thing, um, uh, and and so we would maybe explain a bit. You know, sin is all the things that we've done wrong, is about missing the mark, and God is a holy God, and so He He can He He is without sin, and so sin pushes us onto a different plane of existence. And you know, maybe it's not so much me. Maybe we'll call this someone else. Let's call this person Chris. Are there any Chris's here? Good. All right, now I can bag out Chris as much as I want. And so Chris uh, really does, uh, goes through life and suddenly uh, finds out, hang on, I'm missing something. And he realizes that what he's missing is God. And so he desires to go back to God. And so he tries different things. He tries uh, uh, being generous. He tries uh, doing good things. Sorry, my writing is terrible. Uh, he, he, he might even try, uh, um, you know, meditation, whatever it is. But sin is too big a gap between God and us. And so Chris didn't get close to God because his efforts are just not good enough. But what God did is that he saw the separation of sin that, brought, that, uh, that, that pushes us uh, away from him and he desired that we, this is not going to happen. And so what God did is that he sent his one and only son to come down to earth, to live a sinless life, and die on the cross, and then be risen again so that we will have a pathway back to him. And this is what we read about in John 3.16, where God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son to die upon the cross so that whoever may believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And so that was exactly how we were told to evangelize. This is how we were told to share uh, the gospel message. And so 12-year-old me memorized it, practiced it, knew how to do it, thought that I got it down uh, pretty good. And the day of the Easter party came around and I, I invited a friend, as, as I was told to do, because I was a good Chinese boy and I did what I was told to do. And, and we had this party and I was actually quite excited about this. I was like, you know, this is really good. And, and so uh, I think our cell group had maybe about five or six different, uh, uh, well, new kids coming to this uh, group and we had games, we had food and, and then it came time and our uh, group leader said, hey, you know, we're Christians and we celebrate Easter and there's a reason why we celebrate Easter. So what we're going to do now is that we're going to break off into uh, little pairs. You'll be going to your friend and your friend's going to share with you why Easter is important to them. And so I sat down with my friend and I, I got my piece of paper and I drew this out and I told a story as I was told to do and I thought that I delivered it flawlessly. Yeah, I, I was like, it was, I did it pretty good, didn't I? You know, I was like, I heard a hush in the building. It was like the Holy Spirit fell and you guys were all like, I need Jesus all, of it, all over again. And, and so I did the, the, the message and then I, I gave my friend three options because we were told to give, them, give, uh, give our friends three options. The first option is then, then commit your life to Jesus so that you can have eternal life. The second option is like, this is pretty cool, but I need a bit more information. I'm not ready to commit yet. And then the third option was like, this is not for me. I was pretty sure that my friend wouldn't say that, that this is not for him. I was like, I'd done too good a job for him to say that. And, um, and, and, and so I was like looking at him eagerly. And then he said, um, I think I need a bit more information. And in my little youth heart, 
I was somewhat crushed by that response because I thought that I had done what I was supposed to do and so my friend was supposed to respond because of how good a job I did. In other words, I thought that evangelism was like an equation. If I do a good enough job, you will do what you need to do, which is commit to Christ. I did this with the right intentions. I wanted him to find salvation. But somehow, him saying that he wasn't ready to commit made me kind of consider, and this is in hindsight, did I not, did I not do good enough? Did I not draw a big enough gap to highlight how sin has separated us from God? Did I not highlight enough uh, activities of our humankind that try to reach out to God? Maybe, maybe it didn't connect. Maybe I needed to think out of more creative things that people do in order. Maybe, maybe what did I do? Did I quote John three sixteen accurately? So, so I was a bit like, what, what was wrong? What went wrong? And, um, but then I suddenly realized that he hadn't shut the door. He didn't say three, he said two. So what I needed to do right then and then was to get him to one. He wanted more info, I'll give him more info, right? Pretty simple. Equations, guys, it works. The world is math. And so I started to say to him, okay, yeah, you want more info, what info do you want? I'll give it to you now. Like I'll, 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 I'll tell you what you need to know. I don't really remember what those questions were, but I was like, oh, that's easier, right? You know, just saying all the things that I thought to say. And I badgered him into submission. He said the sinner's prayer, and he is in heaven because of me. <laughs> well, I don't know. I really, you know, because after, I, I was pretty proud of myself for getting him to say the sinner's prayer. I did the work of an evangelist, I, I wouldn't, God would be proud with me, right? That's what I thought. And the next few weeks came and I realized that he wasn't coming to church and I was inviting him and I was trying to work out, you know, why, why aren't you coming to church? And after a while, he started to share. See, his family is staunch, staunchly Buddhist. And, um, and so they were like, you are never converting to any other religion. You're meant to be Buddhist. You're not going to church. You, this is who you are. And so by badgering him to say the sinner's prayer, even though he wasn't really sure about what was happening, going to happen in his home life, put him in a really difficult place because he felt obligated to come to church and he felt obligated to obey his parents because he was living in their house. <laughs> this is a pretty big deal. And so he had this struggle. And I, I was too young to really realize the complexity and how difficult the choice was for him because I was just continuing to say, but you need Jesus. You know, you, you're a Christian now. This is what Christians do. I didn't realize that. I didn't tell him what Christians do. I just told him that Jesus did. And then suddenly all of this is all made okay. I, my evangelism didn't include life after Jesus or life with Jesus. It, it, it just talked about salvation and, 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 and supposedly eternal life will snap your finger and it's all good and well. And, and I, I couldn't actually really help my friend in his difficult time. He didn't really come to church at all. Uh, I don't know if he kept a faith. And I remember through that situation, suddenly I was like, evangelism is not simple. Evangelism isn't about getting a person to say a sinner's prayer. In fact, if you look through the Bible, you will never find something called the sinner's prayer. Did you guys know that? Because I've been asked many times, it's like, um, 
what do I say if I'm going to lead someone into the sinner's prayer? You know, like, well, Bible didn't say to have a sinner's prayer. So why do we place such an emphasis on this event when it comes to evangelism? Why do we have such an equational mindset when it comes to evangelism? And that equational kind of transactional kind of mindset around evangelism is what caused me to go, it's too difficult. Because it made me think that I need to be good enough for my friend or that person that I'm speaking to to find Christ. It's on me to be good enough. It's on me to be able to have all the answers to life's questions. What if I go to my friend and they want to know the meaning of life? Will I be able to answer them well enough so that they will find Christ? What about all the difficult questions? What about God's judgment on sinners and eternal damnation? What about all of these different aspects that are really difficult? What about if someone comes to you and says, why would I want to believe in a God that asked for the extermination of different ethnicities in the Old Testament? Why would, uh, why would I want to have a God that would throw human beings into eternal torment and hell? And I was like, no, I don't, have question, I don't have answers. I can't do this work if I don't have the answers. Because if I don't have the answers and my friend asks for it, I'll fail. And if I fail, what's going to happen? And those are the questions that I asked myself. And I didn't realize that I wasn't thinking about evangelism. I was thinking about something else. I, I don't know what to label it. Maybe I was thinking about results. I was thinking that I needed results to prove that I can. How many of us think like that when it comes to the things of God? You know, I think about all the different giftings, and I think there are many people that actually step away from their giftings because they tried and they didn't go as well as they thought it would. And I was like, oh... Maybe I don't have that gifting. It's like, it's the first time you tried. It's like talking to a person who's training to be a doctor and said, did you get that vein the first time you needed to put, to, to draw blood out? No, probably not. You know, I've actually done it before. I've done an IV thing before and it takes you many tries and a person screams of agony before you learn how to find that vein. My first message to the youth group went for an hour and a half. And my youth pastor told me off for that. He said, I don't know how you kept all their attention, but you went for an hour and a half and you will never do that again. <laughs> We've all made mistakes. But somehow with evangelism, it feels a bit heavier because it, maybe it's about someone's eternal future. And maybe that's what gets us a little bit scared. So this morning, for the rest of the time that I've got, I want to share with you what I have come to understand the work of an evangelist is. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20 to 23. This is Paul writing, and, and, and the first letter to uh, the Corinthian church, Paul was basically trying to describe what a Christian life would look like. And then he comes to this point, and this is what he says, uh, and I think it's all about evangelism. It's about winning people to Christ, and this is what he says. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. 
To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not under the law, I became like one not under the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not under the law, not having the law. To the weak, I became the weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And you know what got me about this passage? That last line, I do all this for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessings. And it's like Paul had this mindset. For me to truly appreciate the gospel, for me to have a share in the gospel, I need to share the gospel. For me to have a share in the gospel, I need to share the gospel. Look at that. That's what he says, that I may share in his blessings. I wonder how, how many of us are not really experiencing the fullness of the blessings of the good news of Jesus Christ because we have locked it up and made it about ourselves. I wonder how much blessing we would have, how much love we would have, how much care we would have, how much joy we would have, how much peace we would have. But the gospel promises if we were to share the gospel. That really, when I was looking at this verse, I was like, I want a share in the gospel. That's what in the first place drew me to Jesus Christ, right? When the gospel was shared and I was like, I need this. There is no way in the world that I can achieve eternal life by myself. I need Jesus. I need this. But somehow when we become used to the Christian thing, we go like, I've already received it. When the Bible tells us, or Paul tells us, that we're not living for the gospel, we're not really sharing in the gospel. If we're not living for the gospel, if we're not living for God's kingdom purposes, we're not really living in the kingdom at all. Or at the very least, we're not experiencing the fullness of the kingdom. See, the work of the evangelist is part of sharing the gospel. But here's how Paul talks about it. He didn't say, you know, I trained myself to be eloquent in 15 different languages and in 15 different ways to share the gospel. He didn't say that. What did he say? He said, I became a slave to everyone. I think that the choice of words is quite intense here. He didn't say, I became a servant to some. He doesn't say, I became an employee to some. <laughs> he doesn't say, I became a friend. He said, I became a slave. I became a slave to all. He became a slave. He put other people's needs, life, as his priority, as something that wasn't just like a choice. It was something that he needed to live for. That was how he saw his life. I am a slave to all. But what does that slavehood look like? Does it mean that you're simply polishing their shoes, cleaning their houses? No, no, he goes on to say, that part of this slavery that he saw himself living out is that to the Jews I became a Jew, to those under the law I became under the law, to those without the law I became one without the law. What is he talking about? See, this is one of the things that I think our Western context really misses out on. 
because Paul's idea of slavery and serving people included this really interesting idea and this really difficult idea of connecting to people where they are. It's not saying you need to become like me to become my friend. I'm going to see what your values are. I'm going to see what your priorities are. I'm going to see how you conduct your life and what is important for you. And I'm going to connect with that. So often we talk about people connecting with us. Oh, I feel so disconnected. Oh, you know, no one cares for me. No one, da, da, da. And I get it. It happens. Those situations can feel extremely difficult. <laughs> but when we are the ones on the side of having already received the gospel, we know that there is a God who already identifies with us. And what we are meant to do is that we are meant to live out of that place and connect with those who are not connected to God yet. And so he, notice this, Paul doesn't change his values. He's not a chameleon. Paul's not asking you to drop your values. He's, he continues to say, I, I became like one under the law even though I know I'm free. And then to those who uh, uh, did not have the law, he became like one with no law, even though he always had the internal compass of knowing that he was under Christ's law. He did not change himself. He changed how he connected. He didn't change. You know, there are some people that I've seen in my life, they, they, uh, musicians in particular, saying that they're going to go to pubs and play music in order to reach those that are in the pubs because the church is not in the pubs, etc. And, and, and what I notice about some people is that they change who they are in order to reach different people. And they quote this. I said, no, 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 you don't change who you are, you change how you connect. You change those points that you're able to recognize. And I think that's really important with evangelism. It's like, who are you connecting to? In your everyday life, who are those that you can serve and who are those that you can connect with? Who are those that you can change your perspective or change the way that you act in not who you are, but how you connect in order to connect with them? As a pastor, this is something that I was like, hey, when I was reading this and thinking about this, like, I already do this. Most of us already do this. But maybe it's just having a greater awareness of those that we are maybe not so comfortable with or as natural with at connecting to and going, let's connect. But then there's one more thing that I saw that was really interesting. Paul highlights, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. And he says, I became all things to all people. He says that, but then he doesn't highlight the strong. He doesn't make a contrast between the weak and the strong. He only mentions the weak. And I think that is true. Without Christ, all of us are weak, right? But then I thought about this and I was like, to the weak, I became weak. Now, the Greek word for weak um, is kind of a combination word. And it's actually, if you want to do a direct translation, it's a strengthen. So, for example, if you are a theist, that means you believe in God. If you are a theist, you are one that doesn't believe in God. Make sense? So it's a combination, a something. It means opposite. So basically, Paul was saying to the a strengthen, to those who have not been strengthened, to those who are not encouraged, 
to those who have not been given strength, right? And so that's pretty cool, to the A-strengthened. But then Paul says, I became A-strengthened. And that didn't make sense to me. Because it makes sense to me that to the A-strengthened, I became strength for them. To the A-strengthened, I gave them courage. To the A-strengthened, I supported them. But Paul says, to the A-strengthened, I became like them, A-strengthened. <laughs> and I was like, what is that all about? And I started to realize that part of the problem with this was that I was positioning myself as one who knew, as one who was stronger, as one who was wiser, as one who had the answers. The problem with this mode is that I thought to the weak, I was their strength. To the lost, I was their hope. To the broken, I was their wholeness. To the confused, I was their answers. And that's not what Paul said. Paul said, to the weak, I became weak. See, when we connect with people, it's not about connecting with them to show how much bigger and better I am. When we connect with people, it's for the sake of God. I know what it's like to be low. I know what it's like to be humbled. I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to be confused. And let me tell you, I still sometimes am confused and alone and depressed and anxious or whatever it is. But I found one who is my strength. I have found one who is my hope. I have one, found one who is my healing and my hope. Evangelism is not about showing that I have become bigger and stronger and better in order to prove to other people that they can become me. I am supposed to show Jesus so that people can find Jesus. And that takes all the pressure off me. I can shout about what God has done for me and I can tell the story, but I'm telling it from a place of humbleness. I'm still making mistakes. I'm not perfect and I'm still figuring it out. But I know that without Christ, I don't think I would be able to do these things. I wouldn't have the peace and the hope and the joy that He has given me. How are you showing that you're weak? How are you showing that sometimes you don't have all the answers? I don't know why, I don't know how, but somehow sometimes I think that Christianity has made us proud. Christianity has placed us, ourselves, on the pedestal. I'm a Christian, and I've got Christian values that you have done. Who are you going to win? And I love that Paul says, I become all things to all people that I might win all. No, he doesn't. Because I've become all things to all people so that I can win some. Paul had this recognition that I can serve people, I can connect with people, I can showcase my weaknesses, and not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone's going to want Christ after that. And Paul placed no pressure on himself, so why do we? Paul just simply lived his life and he went, God, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to connect with? Jesus told his disciples to go into towns and villages to perform miracles there. And if they don't accept you, you dust the dirt off. I've got no part in you and move on. We're not, evangelism is not about results. Evangelism is not about perfection. Evangelism is not about everything, having everything together. Evangelism is about loving people. It really is. 
And I, I, I see that God in my life has really changed me over the last two years. I thought that when I meet with people, I needed to give them answers. I needed to give them solutions. That's how they would know Christ, because I've got all of the answers. But over the last two years, I've gone, no, that's not it. It's about loving them. And I've learned that the more I shove answers down people's throats, the more they don't like me. <laughs> and you know the thing about being a pastor is that if they don't like me, they probably don't like Jesus. Not that I'm trying to win people like me, but it's who I'm representing. Am I representing a Jesus who is willing to sit with an adulterous woman? And just to hear a story. Am I representing a Jesus who would sit with a lame man in the middle of a place filled with pain and disability and just listen to his story? Am I representing a Jesus who cares for the lost, who would leave the 99 to find the one? How am I representing Christ? And that's why I mentioned hospitality at the start. Because evangelism, I think to many of us, is hard. But to many of us, I think we've learned, I think I can welcome people into my life. And I can place dignity on them. I wonder whether hospitality and evangelism isn't so different. I'm wondering whether hospitality and evangelism, the main difference is who you're being hospitable to. So what if we became more hospitable to people that didn't really know Christ or are making a decision? What if we did that? I mean, yeah, definitely. I think it is important for us to hold that mindset of how do I bring Christ into this? But that's the whole thing about being weak. Is like when you've identified an area that a person feels weak in, and say, hey, 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 I'm not so different. And let me point you to someone who's been a difference, the point of difference in my life. And let's bring that into our conversations. So Beck and I have started to do that a lot more, just having people over in our house. And, and, and sometimes these are people that aren't, you know, committed to God or the church. And I'm not having a whole meal over there bashing them on the head and telling them that they're idiots for not wanting Christ. I'm just simply having a meal with them and asking them about what they're doing. How's life going? What, what are you up to now? And then as I hear things, I'm like, oh, you, you, you see, the thing about people coming to my house as a pastor is that they know they're coming to a pastor's house. <laughs> I don't have to hide my Christianity because of my job. For some of you guys, you might have to find different ways to learn how to showcase your Christianity. But, but I've learned that my love and care for people trumps my values in their eyes. My love and concern for people is more important than what I've got to say. So my challenge this morning as we close is who are you serving? Who are you connecting to? Who are you being weak in front of? in order to show Christ? Are you doing the work of an evangelist? For some of you, it might just be in your workplaces. I have 
learn that quite often little gifts really change people's lives. Bring donuts to your workplace. People will talk to you. <laughs> it's true. Get someone a cake, buy someone lunch, make someone coffee, buy someone coffee. Ask how are you and don't leave before they answer. Why can't we do that? And then when people ask about our lives, let's be ready to showcase what joy, what hope Christ has given us. And say, yeah, you know, I was feeling a little bit down and out. I went to church and it was amazing. Oh, I was feeling so discouraged and I didn't know what to do. And then I, I prayed. And suddenly I was like, this issue is not so big. I remember when I had my um, breakup, this was ages ago, and um, I went to uni like two days later and I was really flat. All my friends knew about the breakup and they were all non-Christian and, and um, they were asking me whether how was, how was going and they were all being really good and well. And uh, we just chatted and I was, I was probably at one of the lowest points in my life. I didn't really know what to do. And then this, one of my friends made this remark at the end of the at the end of the day, as I was heading home, he said, you know what, I thought that I was, because he skipped the class, I skipped the class, he skipped the class, because I was like, I'm in no headspace to really be learning about developmental psych right now, and lecture is boring. And, um, and so he skipped the class as well, and he said, I skipped the class to, you know, try to encourage you, and to give you a bit of hope. But the way that you see life seems to be more hopeful than I am. And I'm like, <laughs> it was quite funny. I was like, I didn't think about it at that time, but I was answering because I was genuinely like, no, no, I think I can, I think I'm okay. I will be okay. I'm not feeling great right now, but you know what? I think, I think there's more to life than this. And, and this guy was really impacted that in a moment that of my weakness, he saw that there was something else in me. That was really helping me, and, and that memory sticks with me as well. I wonder if that's better evangelism than this, than my produced response. I wonder if me just going, that man, it was tough, and it was, oh, I didn't know how I was going to get through that, but you know what? God comes through. I'm not saying it just to be trite, not to just throw things out there, but there are people in our world that are weak and are looking for other people who are weak, who can show them how they found one who brings strength. They're not looking for you to be the hero, and God doesn't ask you to be the hero. God wants to be the hero. So what are you going to do about that? Our Christian responsibility to do the work of the evangelist. Can we get the band up? Can I ask everyone just to you know, put their hands out as a sign of, God, I want to receive something from you. And I'm going to pray that God is going to put faces, names on your heart of people that you already know, that you can connect with, that you can serve, or maybe ways that you can find people, I don't know. 
But I'm going to pray that God actually shows you that you've received the gospel and now you get to share the gospel. You get to serve, you get to connect, you get to show your vulnerability in order that some of them are going to find Christ. So God, I pray, as that old song goes, you hold the whole world in your hand. You know every person because you created them. You know those who are far from you and you know those who are close to you. And you know how we, as your people, might know some people in our lives that need you. So I pray right now, God, that you help us to know who we can serve, who we can connect with, who we can show vulnerability in order that we can showcase your strength and your life. I pray you highlight these names. You bring those faces to our mind. Thank you, God. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.